0: please visit mikenopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So uh, we're uh, continuing in our um, uh, journey through Brishit Raba. Um, we, we, uh You should be encouraged to know, have not gotten very far into Breshit Raba. Um, we're just kind of going at whatever pace we, we go on and uh, getting as far as we get each time. Um, and uh, uh, so, we, um, uh, so we've gone through uh, um, uh, one and a half of the Midrashim of Breshit uh, of Rabbah, one and a half of the, of the, um, of the teachings of, of Genesis Rabbah. Uh, uh, the, the teachings started out, and they're all really, uh, at this point, still... Riffing on the first verse of Breshit, which is Breshit uh, bara Elohim et HaShemayim veta Aretz, which can be variously translated in the JPS, which uh, most of you have uh, in front of you. It's translated as uh, when God began to create the heavens and the earth. It treats it as a part of a continuous sentence with verses two and three. Uh, but if you were to look in, uh, uh, in in this, which is sort of like a Hebraicized, King James translation and King James I think famously translates it as in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth right so uh, and here we go in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth okay so that's what uh, um, the scribes of King James translated it as so all of these midrashim are more or less commenting on that verse, or on, or, or generally the idea of the of the beginning parts of the creation story. So anything kind of having to do with uh, with the the opening verses uh, or the opening ideas of of creation. So that's sort of what we're starting with. Um, the second uh, midrash uh, began. We're not going to. Um, uh, uh start with the uh, very beginning of this midrash um, uh, but um uh, it started with um with a, with an idea that's actually if you ever study rashi uh it, it actually is rashi's first uh commentary on that verse of breshi which is which is why does the torah start here in the first place uh the torah should start with if it's a book of laws a book of teachings it should start with the first mitzvah which is not until uh, about halfway through Exodus, or not quite halfway through Exodus, but maybe a third of the way through Exodus, um, that uh, uh, is. So why does it start with the creational world? So that's a uh, midrash goes into that uh, question, uh, and, uh, and and then uh, begins uh, to talk about. Um, um, uh, about uh, the creation, what, what happens in different uh, points in creation. Okay, so actually, so why don't we go back? I actually have it marked down a little bit further, but why don't we start a little bit further back, since there's a lot of folks here who are just kind of joining us, uh, with uh, where we ended up last week, just to make sure we don't get short shrift of this midrash, which I think is really uh, beautiful. So I'm on page three in the packet here. Which is the third midrash. Sorry, so I said we're, we're one and a half midrashing men. I meant we're two and a half midrashing men. Um, so we're uh, uh, page three in the midrash. It's got a three on top of the page, which indicates it's the third midrash. Not that it's page three, just coincidentally. Uh, and we're about uh, halfway uh, down. Um, not quite halfway, maybe, maybe a third of the way down. It says, uh, When were the angels created? You see that? When were the angels created, okay? So, it's an interesting question. If you look in the text of, of, uh, of the opening chapter of Breshit, and really until you get to the, the idea that, um, uh, that uh, God set uh, Kruvim, uh, 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 or is it Kruvim or Serafim, uh, some manner of angel that uh, guards the entrance of, uh, of the garden in Eden, uh, to prevent the human beings who have been cast out from coming back in and uh, and taking from the tree of life. So that's the first time we see anything. They're not necessarily identified as as angels per se. They're 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 some kind of divine being. There's other places that later in Genesis where where uh, uh, refers to divine beings. It talks about bnei Elohim, and then of course later in Genesis it, they're they're malachim. They're, they're that's the um, Technical term, usually for angels, the generic term for angels. Um, but in the opening chapter of Bereshit, when God creates the heavens and the earth and everything that it contains, it doesn't refer to God creating angels, right? So this is, again, we're talking about midrash is often. Um, so I, I think I referred to it, uh, I, uh, Nancy, kind of like this as uh, as rabbinic fan fiction, right? So sometimes it kind of like jumps off where uh, of, uh, of of what the Torah doesn't talk about to create stories. Uh, about the things, uh, you know, re- about the characters in the Torah that are not in the Torah itself, all, to, all in a way to help kind of understand those characters better, to understand motivations better, to help understand the narrative better. Uh, but when I was in, uh, in Jewish day school, I remember them teaching midrash like this, that, that it fills in the white spaces of Torah, right? The things that the Torah kind of leaves out that would help our understanding of the, of the narrative and of the text better. Okay, so that's in in Agadic Midrash, which is what we're looking at. We're talking about narrative elements. Right, so this is uh, you know uh, the notion of when the angels were created kind of fills in the white space. We know that there are angels, or the rabbis believe that there were angels. The Torah refers to them in other places, but it never says that they were created. So when were they created? That's right? it's a white space in the Torah. In halachic midrash, in legal midrash, uh, it, uh, it it you know it'll it'll try to fill in the white spaces of uh, of legal principles. Okay, so you know the Torah says you know thou shalt not murder. Okay, but you know what about cannibalism? You know, is that murder? Uh, it's not wasteful. So, um, uh, so anyway, um, not endorsing it. I'm just saying that it's a question. So, um, uh, so that, those are the different kinds of midrash, and that's that's sort of where we are here. Okay. So that's the question that we're going to open with: is when were the angels created? Uh, let's see. Let's read for us. Nancy, you want to read for us? Sure. Just kind of go around the table a little bit, and feel free feel free to jump in with questions, comments. I, ideas thoughts as we as we read on. So starting at when were? Yeah. Can everybody see where we are? Yeah. When were the you can tell me when to stop. Yeah. When were the angels created? Rabo Yochanan said the angels were created on the second day just as it says in Psalms 104:4 He sets the rafters of the upper chambers in the water, creating creating the sky and the upper waters which God does on the second day. And then it is written he makes the winds his messengers or his angels okay let's just pause there okay so rabbi yochanan's answers this question says the angels are created on the second day he uh cites two verses to prove his point um one from psalms saying that uh um uh, actually both from psalms the the parallel the back-to-back verses um so he sets up uh the uh, the, the the rafters of the upper chambers in the water uh, and, uh, and, and uh, he makes the winds his messenger. So um, uh, so if you look at that, if you want to look at that psalm, Psalm104, uh, you'll note that that's the psalm that we recite on Rosh Chodesh, just as an aside of it. Um, and I actually don't have the GPS with me. so maybe the first person to find it in the GPS can, can share the page with everybody else. Psalm 104. 1230 in the GPS. So it should be basically the same in everybody's GPS. Do we have enough for everybody here? Um, Lisa, do you want one? Who has down to Lisa. Oh, uh, sorry. <clears throat> Ema, will you read uh, just from the beginning of the psalm for, you know, just to kind of give our, get a context of what's happening here? Top of Psalm 104. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mhm. Perfect. Statement. Let's just pause there. So, what's what's happening in that psalm? Like, like it's like the, 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 it's a description of the of the structure supporting the creation. Good. There's there's like an um, like a scaffolding almost, yeah, right? Yeah. That the, there's. Um, there's, you know, infrastructure being set up, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, sheets set, you know, drapery set out, um, uh, the, you know, the divisions are set up, you know, everything is sort of like moving to its place. Nancy pointed out last <coughs> week, uh, that, uh, part of this psalm, we also say when, when we put on the Talit, uh, this notion that we spread out, uh, um, you cover, you cover, God covers himself with light as with a garment. Um. Now, who wrote the Psalms? Is that, <laughs> the, the, God made those? The divine? Uh, I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let, uh, uh, Professor Rose address the question of who wrote the Psalms. David or someone writing in the style of David, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and why why do you ask the question? What what? Uh, I was trying to get the framework of timing mm-hmm. here. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. is this happening way after creation? Or? <laughs> uh, well, this yeah. I mean, this this you know, if you it, depending on how you count the days of creation, uh, but uh, but this would be happening. Let's see. Um, I don't know, a couple thousand years after creation. Right. Yeah. That's right. Let's see, if we're in fifty-seven, seventy-eight, this is, you know, like 1,900 uh, before the Common Era, so that's about 3,000 years before now. Right. Okay, so, so, so yeah, about 2,000 years after creation. But that's creation. telling what happened at creation. Right, right, right. So this is not somebody who has, who was an eyewitness right. to creation. This is someone sort of poetically imagining uh, what, what must have, what he thinks must have happened uh, in that in that moment okay, of creation. Okay, that puts it, out of context. Now the the rabbis don't really see it that way. I mean, the, you know, the, the, for the rabbis, this is a proof text, right? In other words, for the rabbis, this has as much authority to 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 teach us about what happened at creation as an eyewitness account. They believe, you know, D- D- David had prophetic insight, you know, if you will, to be able to. Like, for for the rabbis, this is um, this may not be an eyewitness account, but it's as reliable. As an eyewitness account, you know. So sometimes they'll do a thing where they have to harmonize seeming um, discrepancies in, you know, from different places in Tanakh. This doesn't strike me as one of those places. This strikes me as, uh, as Rabbi Yochanan uh, is saying, you know, uh, that the angels are created on the second day, and here this verse from Psalms proves it. Um, even though it doesn't say it in Genesis, this is as authoritative as if it were had, if it were to have been said in Genesis. So Rabbi Yochanan lives after David. Oh yes, yeah. Rabbi Yochanan lives about uh, a thousand years after after oh. David, maybe more, maybe fifteen hundred years oh, after. Okay. I don't. I don't know which Rabbi Yochanan this is talking about. Um, I'd have to do a little bit of digging about this. It's probably an, an, an Amoraic Rabbi Yochanan, uh, my, my father-in-law, my people, too, uh, to, to answer that differently than me. Um, so that means that this is a rabbi who's living, you know, sometime between the year 200 of the common era and 600 of the common era, um, which is about, I don't know, between uh, 1800 and uh, 1400 years before us and about um anywhere between um 1200 and 1500 say years after king david mm-hmm. so, this like a nice a nice dance yeah I, I love that it's really beautiful you know you do get a sense when you read the account in the first chapter of genesis it's very it's very pristine you know it's very uh it's very orderly and and, you know, it's, it's almost like Euclidean geometry. You know, this happens on this day, and then that was all one day, and then you get to the next day. Right? There's, no, there's no dynamism, really, there. God no. speaks it, and it's very serene, you know. And then you, you get to this psalm, this poetic rendering, right? And, you know, um, God is very great. There's covering with light and stretching out the heavens. There's more, there's more it's more tactile in here. Right, so and we're talking about angels after all, right? So there's, um, uh, so there's a, a shift here from if we're, all right, if we're going to talk about like what's really happening in creation, we got to move over to Psalms, right? Genesis is just kind of giving you the, the little drips, just just all the information you need to know that it was God that did it, and there was these amount of days, and there were you know these kind of like, uh, uh, these kind of uh, in- intervals in creation. Um, but if you really want to know what happened, you have to you have to dig a little deeper. Talking about creation, Anybody like coffee? <laughs> <laughs> In the beginning, God created coffee. I wonder why that. We talked a lot about the first midrash, where um, where God used the Torah uh, as a as a blueprint or as a yeah. as a uh, as a companion to create the world. Uh, Surprising that coffee was not mentioned there as something that God used as a companion to create the world. A lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. You're not to sleep I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and what do you make of this idea that uh, um, uh, that the, 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 the proof text comes, the, the idea of creating the um, uh, uh, the angels is this verse that. Um, uh, um Malachav uh, ruchot right that he makes the winds his messengers mishartav ishlohet and his uh, and his servants are um, uh, are, uh, are 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 uh, 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 flames of fire what do you make of that What does that say about angels? What does that say about their place in creation? What does that say about God? Uh, I mean, wind similarly, right? So, you know, wind can power a sail, uh, but you, I mean, listen, we we just went through a series of really devastating hurricanes. You know, wind can also be an incredibly destructive force. Right? And angels similarly, right? Angels in the tradition are both, you know, constructive forces and destructive forces. We just read about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Uh, and um, uh, the uh, at least the the harbinger of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah are angels, right? Uh, maybe it's God who actually does the destruction. The destruction is fire, by the way, right? And um, but. Um, uh, um, you know, so uh, you know the the destruction in in, uh, in Egypt, right? The last play, even though the the, uh, the Haggadah uh, tries to remind us that only God is responsible for having uh, destroyed Egypt, right, or uh, orchestrating the Exodus. The the, the the Torah talks about the destroyer coming and uh, and and uh, executing the firstborn of Egypt. You know, so and you so colloquially when we talk about that, you know, what do we what do we say? Killed the firstborn, in Egypt, the angel of death, right? And sing about him in the Chad Gad which is the most metal of all Pesach songs. Um, so, um, uh, uh, so you know, so angels are, but also they're constructive forces, right? So angels tell Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have Isaac, right? Um, you know, uh, angels point, uh, 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 point Joseph the way of his brothers and so angels are constructive forces too. So they have that role They're you know, they're, they're agents of God, right? And God isn't only a sugar daddy. You know, God has destructive power too right, and I also want to like add uh, one piece to what to what my uh, mother in- law said, you know, which is the movement of this uh, piece from Psalms. you know the the you get this impression from reading the first chapter of Gen you know that God separates the the firmament, you know or creates the firmament by separating water from water, creating the sky and the and the oceans. And so it seems stationary right god you know kind of like puts this in its place and this in its place and there's no movement there really and so this is saying but within those boundaries movement is possible right that's where that's where the dynamism comes in there's 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 breath there's there's movement of colors there's flickering of light there's uh there's there's wind can move through i mean you you know uh, I have, you know, a windbreaker jacket, right? So there are things that can stop wind, right? And wind is able to pass through when you create space for it, right? So so angels are only possible once God creates the space for it, I think, is one of the uh, features of, of of adding in this psalm. All right, well, that's that's one opinion. Uh, and now we're going to move on to Rabbi Hanina. Uh, so, uh, Saba, can you read Rabbi Chanina? Not a good reader, Khazan? Uh, Rabbi Hanina said the angels were created. Do you see that about halfway down? Rabbi Hanina said the angels were created on the fifth day where it is written and let the bird fly, yet of faith, across the earth. And in Isaiah 6, verse 2, it is written and with two wings, he, the seraphic angel, would fly, yet faith. Okay, just pause there for a second. Okay, we're now looking at two verses here. First verse comes from uh, the first chapter of Genesis. Where it describes the fifth day, where there are birds flying across the earth, right? And, uh, and, and Rebbe Chanina says uh, that may not only be referring to, you know, eagles and hawks and pigeons, but a different kind of flying creature, um, uh, which we find in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. Which, when you see that uh, passage, it will be um, familiar to you, I I bet. Six twenty-nine in the in the in the JPS. Okay, let's. um, Since you're there, will you just read for us, Hazan, starting from the first verse? Let's just pause. So, familiar to you? Where, where do we see that verse on a regular basis? Yeah, that's right. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. You ever said so the Kadusha, right, in the Amidah, right, which we uh, uh, recite every every morning and afternoon, uh, and, uh, and, and Musaf. Uh, and then it's also re- referenced again uh, in... Uh, the uh, first blessing, or the first blessing before the Shema in the morning, is also referenced again in uh, what's known as Kedusha Desidra, uh, which is uh, uh, some additional prayers and verses that we recite uh, in the conclusion of the morning service during during the week. So, it's Kedusha Desidra uh, implies that it's also a, a, um, a, another opportunity to recite this. Phrase of kadusha, this phrase of uh, declaring God's holiness. Um, good, and so uh, and so these angels that are calling out uh, to each other, kadosh uh, kadosh kadosh, kevodoh, which if you were here on Yom Kippur we actually riffed on a little bit. Uh, There's also, by the way, uh, anybody know when we chant this as the Haftorah? You want to take a guess? You can't answer, Chazan i guess you guys can't answer either and the answer is... shabbat brashit shabbat when we chant this first portion of genesis so the so the rabbis had a had a deep association between this uh uh this passage and and the and the parsha of of creation um so we can kind of throw that into the mix of about what's what's happening here um so what's what's Rabbi Khanina saying here about the angels being created on the fifth day? As opposed to the second day. And how does he know? Why does he think that they were created on the fifth day? Yeah, so I think you're right. I think you know if you if you go back to what Rabbi Yochanan said, it implies that that, it, that you have to kind of like go deep into you know a, um, a, a mystical level to understand when angels were created. And Rabbi Chananina has a much more simple answer. He says, no, flying things were created. We know angels are flying things, and therefore that's when that's when angels must be created. Now, there's a wrinkle in that because it to me opens up the possibility that therefore. Everything that's created on every day is possibly an allegory for something else, right? If we could say that when it says God created the birds, it's not really talking about the birds, it's talking about angels, then why is it true that when it says God created the creeping things, that it's actually talking about bugs? Or when God created the fish, it's really talking about fish. Or when God created this, the, the, um, the stars in the sky, it's really talking about the stars, Uh, not that we've encountered so far, uh, the, the I mean, the, you know, Rabbi, Rabbi, Yochanan says that the angels were created on the second day, uh, and, you know, and, 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 ta- and uses as proof text, uh, that, uh, right. So there's, there's this notion that it has to do with the creation of the heavens, right? So when God, when God creates, uh, uh, on the first day, uh, separates the waters, Right, uh, he he creates the firmament, and anything above the firmament is the heavens, and anything below the, or shemaim, and below is mine, right? Um, is water um, or ocean? Uh, so maybe that's what what it's referring to. Yeah, do you see that somewhere? Or do you, or do you just hear it somewhere? Remember it somewhere? I must have stumbled across it. Maybe it was this they were talking about yeah, The second right? day. That's the is about to, about yes, that so. connection, but right? The, so that's another possibility of reading that second day midrash, right? Uh, of saying, you know, what this really means is that when it says God, uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, if, if you if you go back to the op- to that opening verse of opening verses of Genesis, okay, um, let's actually look what it says. Okay, Brishit bara. Just probably on page three or something. What you are right, Brishit so bara Elohim et Shemayim ve et Aretz. This is all. This is all. I guess first day, right? Um, so when God began to create the heavens and the earth, right, the, the earth was unformed and void, and there was darkness uh, over the face of the deep. And the, and the spirit of or the wind, a wind from God, was fluttering over the face of the water. Uh, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And so God divided between the light and the darkness. So God called the light day, and the darkness God called night. And so it was uh, evening and it was morning the first day. Okay, that's day one. So now we're going to start day two. God said, Okay, let there be a, uh, a firmament in the midst of the waters. So that there should be a division between water and water. So God made the firmament and and, and, and made a division between the water that was underneath the firmament and between the water that was on top of the firmament and it was so. So God called the firmament heaven uh, or sky um, uh, i don't know what your translations say there do they call it heaven or sky Shammai? sky in mine, they call it heaven so god called the firmament heaven um, so in, in hebrew the word shamayim can mean sky but it can also mean heaven uh, so it's uh you know there's a there's a dance there about what it's actually talking about uh, maybe it means both this is where you get this idea you know when people picture heaven they picture you know like people sitting on clouds, right? Because it's happening in the sky. I always, like, I remember as a kid, like, flying in an airplane, you know, uh, and, like, seeing the clouds and just wondering where where, where all the angels were, where heaven was. Uh, actually, the truth be told, I was wondering where the Care Bears were, because, <laughs> because that's where the Care Bears lived, too. And I also had this, like, you know, as I was in, you know, as I was learning Chumash in day school, I, like, wondered, like, what part of the sky the Care Bears lived in, and what part of the sky the, uh, uh, heaven was. Uh, but anyway, so. What, right, right, right. It doesn't. So that's another midrash. That's more. Right. Well, in truth, I could be in here somewhere, too. I mean, you know, everybody right. put everything in there. <laughs> Why not? Um, <laughs> right. Right. Um, so God, so God called the, the, the firmament sky, or heaven, so, the, so it was evening, it was morning, a second day. Uh, so, so you have there, right, the possibility that God created heaven on the site the heavens on the second day, um, uh, which is also why, by the way, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to say that first verse means in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth because God doesn't create Shemaim until the second day. Um, so it, so it makes more sense to translate it the way that the JPS translates it is when God began to create the heavens and the earth, because God doesn't actually create, uh, God doesn't create Aretz until I think day three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, right. Uh, uh, there's Yabasha Eretz, right? He so makes dry land and he calls it land, right? Uh, so but it doesn't really make sense to say that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth when God doesn't actually create those things until day two and day three. That verse really, in our terms, a topic sentence. Right. 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 I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you what I'm saying, and then I'm going to and then it does, and then it has a conclusion uh, later, which is you know uh, what, here's what we said. Here's here's what we just talked about. Right. Yeah. That's exactly how they talked to us at boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, they probably yelled it, though. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but if you, you know, if you think about the the Torah as beginning as an oral tradition, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it makes it more memorable, right? Here's the story of creation of the heavens and earth, and then the story comes, and. Let me remind you how we told the story of, of creating the heavens and the earth. But to your point, Nancy, I, I think it makes sense to say, um, okay, you know, if we're going to understand what's created on the second day, at Shemaim as the creation of heaven, right, that God created the heavens on the second day, right? then that it suggests that maybe the angels in this category of heaven were also created the second day. Um, and care bears, maybe. Definitely. yeah, for sure. Right. <laughs> Right, so do uh, uh, you want to say what you mean by that? speaking to the angels um uh, you know it, christians have a different answer to that verse uh i think that the least satisfying answer is that god is using the royal we uh because uh because it, the, god doesn't speak that way anywhere else in the in the torah um so it's clearly it, god is is speaking to somebody in that passage we just don't know who maybe it's the angels maybe it's the animals right, right. Oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah. It's always the the always based in the in the the world by Green uh there's the whole bunch of that I, I think myself that that really is the shot. Oh really? Yes, I think that's oh, a good Oh, that's interesting. I felt like, I always felt like the pshat was that God was speaking to the animals because God had just created the animals. That's right. Well, yes, right, because the angels are not referred to. So, you know, we, we imagine that there are angels or we believe that there are angels because they're referenced in other places in the Torah, but doesn't say explicitly when they are created. So, so angels is definitely not pshat. Right. Right. You guys know that term pshat? So pshat, uh, there there are um, uh, it's understood that there are a number of levels of understanding uh, Torah, uh, pshat, remez, drash, and sod. Uh, but the two most common ones are pshat and drash. Okay, So we'll just talk about those for a second. Pshat is the is the basic meaning of the text or the contextual meaning of the of the text. What the what the text probably means without getting fanciful about it. Right. Um, so uh, so that's that's what um, uh that that's what uh um uh rabbi rose is referring to when he says the pashad of the text is probably the royal we uh, or i'm saying the pashad of the text might be the animals because the animals were just created and then god says let us create man in our image according to our likeness right so so without kind of like looking outside the text uh for uh for for creative interpretation uh, uh you can look outside the text maybe for like for an argument that could bolster it. So another way of doing pshat is saying, you know, where else in the Torah is language like this used to help you understand better how it might be used in this place? There are different ways of doing pshat, but that's, the, that's essentially what pshat means, simple, with the simple meaning. What's the simplest way of understanding this text? Yeah, I don't. I don't love that because I'm not sure that there's such a thing as a literal meaning of anything. Um, that that may be a deeper conversation, but um, I, 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 you know, I, um, I, 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 just tend to avoid using the word literal because um, uh, I, uh, I, I think it's. I just think it's so fraught. Um, but if that helps you, if that, if, you know, if that. I mean, like, I mean, in other words, like, if that, if that gets you close to what. Um, Closer to what uh, uh, to Rabbi, what Rabbi Rose is saying, I think Rabbi Rose is the right idea. That that's um, right. Yeah, uh, and Drosh, is, Drosh which is the counterpoint to it. Is sort of what we're doing. It's kind of like looking beyond the text or outside the text, uh, either to understand something that uh, is uh, difficult to explain from an or- originalist point. Right? Being an or- originalist is not always possible, right? We don't always know. What uh, what they thought in 1789 or the situation that ar- that's arisen now uh, is just a totally different uh, situation than they would have imagined 1789 and we have to deal with it. so uh, the original meaning is not always possible to know uh, and, uh, and, and, and also you know to, to Harry's point um, is not always most most useful. Uh, it doesn't always uh, get us what we need out of the text. Um, so that's where drosh comes in drosh uh um uh, fills fills in uh gaps in, in understanding um and, and goes beyond or outside the text usually to find it um okay so i'm just as a time check it's it's 1 now we started a little bit late does everybody have five more minutes yes, all right so we'll just take five more minutes we'll read a little bit further um rabbi luliana bartavrin do we see where we are Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, do you want to read for us? No? Susan? Sure with some of the words. Yeah, Rabbi Luliana Bar said in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak. Whether according to the opinion of Rabbi Chanina. or whether according to the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan. Yohanan. So remember Rabbi Chanina says that the angels were created on the fifth day. Rabbi Yohanan says they were created on the second day. Rather, as it says in Isaiah forty-four, twenty-four, 24, I am God who makes all and who alone stretches out the heavens, with only myself. Me, et, like, right, so, uh, so in, the, in that verse, right, me, et, uh, uh, which probably could be translated as, you know, who was with me, or who is with me, right, in other words, I did it by myself. Right. Right. So that means he's talking to himself? Could mean me, ET. Could mean from myself too, I suppose. Yeah. 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 No helpers. No helpers. Right? right. So Susan, how do you know God's a he? <laughs> no. I just, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping not. Fine. Okay. I, I'm hoping not too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 Let's let's pause there, that's, uh, that's good, okay? So let's just, let's understand the shot of this drash, okay? Uh, uh, what is uh, Rabbi Luliana Bartavrin, in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak, saying here? That? Whatever you're speculating on, it's clear that they weren't created on the first day. Good. Good, right? So there's there's a difference of agreement, there's a difference of opinion between rabbis about when the angels were created, but everyone agrees that they were not created on the first day. Why? Out of myself. Right, out of myself or who was with me. But the, he, he he supposes that there's a, a question, right? So, do you see where that is? Uh, back on the. Uh, previous page, or the page three or whatever, right? Toward the bottom. All agree that they were not created on the first day. So we can be clear that these other uh didn't count. Right. So okay, so it it, um, it uses this language of shalom yomru in Hebrew, right? So that they would not say. Who would say that? Some kind of doubters? The doubters and the haters? Haters. Um, why, why would, why would people doubt that? <coughs> mm-hmm. Is this before Abraham, before, while well, they were still worshiping the idols? Well, no, I mean, no, uh, the, the, the rabbis that are quoted here lived, you know, many, many hundreds of years after Abraham. Um, but it, why would you ask if it was a, if it was in the time of Abraham? When they talk about idols. Okay. Right. So, the, so uh, uh, historically speaking, there are you know a number of people who did not believe in only one God. Sorry. Um Good. A thing right here. Excellent. Okay. So, the, okay. so <laughs> that didn't stop with Abraham, right? right. Uh, that uh, uh, that there are traditions that uh, believe in in more than one power, more than one God. Um, uh, by the way, that's that you know uh, it's. The, you know, the, the, why does the Torah take so much time uh, to rail against uh, idolatry if it were not for the fact that this is an impulse even within Judaism, even within, even among Israelites? Because idols are made by man. Right. And man can't make the divine. The divine supersedes man. Right, right. But what, why, does, why would human beings have an impulse to do that? In other words, if it's a silly, if it's a silly proposition, right? If Abraham is right, right? When he goes and smashes all of his father's idols and he puts the stick in the hand of the biggest one, his father comes home and says, "What did you do?" And Abraham says, "What did I do?" He's got the stick, right? And his father says, "Oh, that's ridiculous. It's an idol can do it." Okay. So we like we laugh at idolatry. But if we laugh at it, then why is it so prevalent in human history and maybe even today? <clears throat> and. I'll just add a couple of pieces to that, because I think that's really insightful. The, um, it, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, depending on when this was written, it was probably written after the Christianization of the Roman Empire. Um, but not that long before the, the dominant, uh, um, uh, you know, religious perspective in the world was, was the Greek Roman pantheon, right? So, you know, so, so these are, these are sort of, and that didn't just disappear. Right, um, so these are sort of live ideas, and then you know the, the Romans, you know, you know, uh, conquer all these territories that uh, that, that have their own uh, pantheons and uh, and and religious traditions, most of which were were uh, polytheistic in, in one way or another. Right, so so all these are, are circulating around, but by the way, you know, there, we we you know you do have to um, acknowledge that. Uh, and that's why one of the reasons that the Haggadah goes out of its way to say, you know, only God did the exodus because you might think that 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 God partnered with other powers, right? That there, there are angels all over the Torah. Why does God use angels in the Torah? Why doesn't God just do it himself or herself? Right. Um, so you have to answer that question, right, of, of why does God seem to need uh, assistance uh, in in the Torah? And what it you know doesn't exactly answer that question here. It says whatever the answer to that question is, you need to know primarily that God doesn't need assistance. That God didn't create the world with assistance. That God is singular in that way. There's one other thing I want to say about this. I think that um, uh, uh, the the polytheistic impulse to to my uh, to to um, uh, Carol's point, to my mother-in-law's point, is. Um, Based on this idea that I think it's 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 one of the fundamental questions of philosophy, which is uh, and it's one of the fundamental questions of monotheism, which is uh, if there is at the heart of reality um, uh, unity, right? If there if God is one, then how is there so much diversity, right? How does one become many? And the simp- the sh- the simple answer to that question is that there's not one, right? That there's actually many becomes many. But it's actually a question at the heart of science, right? How does, how does the Big Bang produce more than just hydrogen, right? And, and science actually doesn't have a great answer to that question yet. How do, how do multiple elements start forming out of the Big Bang? How does the Big Bang happen in the first place is another question that science may not be able to ever answer, right? Um, but that's a, that's, a, that's a basic question, right? How does, how does the diversity of the universe come to be? It's an amazing thing when you think about it, right? And now again, the Midrash doesn't exactly answer that question, I think it just honors the question in a way, it says, I know that you have this question. This is the question is because there's, there's diversity in the world, so it seems plausible to say that God created this part of the world, that Mike, the angel Michael created that part of the world, Gabriel created that part of the world. It says, no, that's not what happened. However you want to explain it, you have to account for the fact that it's only God doing it. Um, it also, I think, is contending with, uh, um, with the Jewish mystical tradition that uh, is uh, it, it's not very uh, formally developed by this time, uh, but there are these mystical traditions floating around Judaism at this time um, that all, I think, are, are also grappling with that idea of the diversity of the world, the diversity of the universe, compared to the notion of the oneness of God. right? And that's, the, I think, the question at the heart of, of Kabbalah and why Jewish mystical tradition develops the way it does is it's trying to uh, account for, um, for the, the, the belief in the unity of God and the reality of, of diversity. Um, and so, so this is also, I think, maybe it's just explaining it or pushing back against it, but it's saying at, at, at the heart of it um, is this um, uh, you know, singular unity. Um, so like we say in, the, um, in Yigdal, uh, that uh, so, which is a, a poetic reformulation of Maimonides' 13 Principles of Faith, say God is echad v'ein yachid ke yichudo, right? That God is one, and there is no singularity like God's singularity, right? So it's this oneness that is sort of uh, impossible for us to comprehend, right? And you wouldn't have to say that if, um, uh, or, or something like this, if you could easily explain how God could exist as one in a world that is diverse and in which